0: So this evening, as we spend some time reflecting on the cross, I just want us to do so by putting our focus on the Last Supper, on the table of Jesus Christ. As we, we want to give our attention to two specific things here this evening. We're going to divide our time up here this evening into two parts. First, we're going to spend some time thinking about and talking about the bread of the Lord's table and how that speaks to us of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then, after singing, after that, and after singing a couple of songs, I'm going to come back up here and we're going to talk a little bit more about the cup and all that it speaks to us about what Jesus did some 2,000 years ago on a hill right outside the city walls of Jerusalem, a hill called Gelgotha. Where Jesus Christ was crucified, not for his sins, but for the crimes that we committed for our sins, for us, who would put our faith in him. Now, Jesus, the night before he was crucified, gathered together with his disciples for a Passover meal, a Passover celebration. And I'm going to read just one verse for us from Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 And verse 19, and it speaks to us about something that Jesus said to his disciples on that night. Just one verse, Luke 22, 19, we read this. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, I understand that those words are probably familiar to many of you. But I want to just ask you here this evening to give these words some fresh consideration with me, if you will. Jesus was gathered there together with his disciples for a Passover meal. And you need to know that in one sense, this was nothing unusual. There was nothing unusual about the Passover meal. Every one of these men at the table with Jesus had been celebrating the Passover meal every year of their lives and if you assume that most of these men were in their 30s that means that they had experienced this 30 plus times 30 plus passover meals today people follow the passover ceremony with these little booklets things like this booklets that can guide you through what prayers to pray what the order of the different events the passover meal are and so it's a very familiar, very comforting ritual for those who practice it year after year. As a matter of fact, and please don't do this right now, but if you go to the app store, you can find different apps that will help to guide you through this whole liturgy. And so many people today do this with these little booklets or smartphone apps. But back then, these men would have memorized the ritual of Passover for themselves. You see, because in that Passover ceremony, every single part of the meal had significance to it. They ate bitter herbs together. It reminded them of the bitter slavery that their ancestors experienced in Egypt. They drank salt water together, and it reminded them of the bitter tears that were shed under the Egyptians' oppression. The main course of the meal, it was a lamb. A lamb that had been uh, freshly sacrificed uh, for each particular household. uh, The Passover lamb didn't symbolize anything connected to the agonies of their slavery in Egypt No, that Passover lamb reminded them of the Passover lamb that had been slain in each household in Egypt right before they left Egypt, so that the angel of death that God had sent to bring judgment on the Egyptians would just pass over each of the houses that had the lamb's blood on the doorframe. So I just kind of picture this. Jesus gathered together with his disciples around this table, and they're going through this familiar ritual. And what fascinates me is that Jesus did not pick up a lamb shank and say, I'm this Passover lamb. A- and you know, he could have because it's absolutely true. The Bible says in first Corinthians chapter five and verse seven, that Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us yet. At that meal, the night before Jesus was on the cross, he didn't, put, uh, he didn't hold up a piece of uh, Passover lamb and say, Hey guys, I'm the Passover lamb. No, instead, uh, what did he do? He held up something different. Now, why didn't Jesus take, make this direct connection that evening between the sacrifice that he was going to make and the Passover lamb? Well, I want you to hold on to that thought for just a moment and we'll come back to it in a little bit. What he did instead, as the text tells us, Luke chapter 22 and verse 19, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. According to very long, long established customs, the the bread that was lifted up at the Passover by the head of the meal was supposed to um the, the head of the meal was then supposed to pray uh, this prayer and say these words this is the bread of affliction with our which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt let everyone who hungers come and eat let everyone who is needy come and eat the passover meal and so there are they are together there and they're gathered around this table. And the disciples, as they wait for Jesus to pray those very familiar words, they, they notice that he completely changes this up. Imagine this for a moment again. I, 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 I imagine them, they didn't have these books. Um, they had this memorized. But I imagine them kind of following along in their books. And Jesus, he goes off script. And he says something that is completely different than what they had expected they're, and they're like, hey, wait a second, what's happening here? You're not following the ceremony, Jesus. You see, what Jesus did is he held up the bread. And in Luke twenty-two nineteen, it tells us that here is what he said. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus didn't give the normal explanation or the association of the bread to the Egyptian exodus story. Instead, he reinterpreted the bread in himself, which you have to admit was a very, very bold thing to do. Guys, now when you get together to eat this bread, don't remember the affliction in Egypt. Remember me. Remember my body on the cross broken for you. Now again I imagine the disciples looking around at each other with confused looks on their faces. Jesus, where did you get that from? Are you crazy? What are you talking about? But in just a few short days they would understand. Let me read to you again from Luke 22:19. And Jesus took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, not in remembrance of the first Passover, not in remembrance of their deliverance from Egypt, not in remembrance of how God was with them throughout their Exodus wilderness wanderings, bringing down bread from heaven. No, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. You see, what Jesus did right there was to make a radical declaration. He said, no longer will the Exodus be God's most remarkable work of deliverance. I'm going to be a greater work of deliverance. I'm going to give you what what is about to happen. I'm going to do it at the cross. Now, we, we first remember what Jesus did at the cross. Look, there's nothing against the remarkable work of deliverance that God gave His people delivering them out of Egypt. It was glorious. But now we have something even greater. No longer will the manna from the wilderness be the most amazing bread that God sent from heaven. Now Jesus, the Messiah, stands before them and says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread from heaven. So friends... When we hold that bread in our hands and when we take it reverently before the Lord at the, at the Lord's table in communion, we remember how Jesus was. Now, tonight, as we take communion together, we've got matzah crackers and we're, we're going to be taking them together. It's not exactly like classical matzah bread, but it's very similar. And you probably know what matzah bread looks like, but if you don't, we have a picture that we're going to put up on the screen for you. There are a few characteristics about matzah bread that are significant for us to recognize. One is that it's unleavened. It doesn't have any yeast in it. Throughout the Bible, leaven or yeast is often a picture of sin. And Jesus is absolutely sinless when he goes to the cross to die for us. But then secondly, this matzah bread, it has these little stripes in it, and so do our crackers. And there are these little lines, though, that are running through them. Jesus was beaten with stripes on his back for our redemption and not for his own crimes. The bread, the matzah bread, it's bruised. It has these irregular spots on all over it. And, and Jesus was bruised for our transgressions. And then finally, if you take a look at matzah bread, it has holes in it. It's pierced. And Jesus was pierced as well, his hands, his feet, and even his side in our place. Now, brothers and sisters, when we hold the bread in our hands, And when we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, when we remember what he did on that original Good Friday, we don't just remember it in our minds, but we remember it in our souls. And in a similar way to how we receive that bread, it goes into our bodies and so too we receive Jesus. Who he is and what he did for us on the cross is received into our spiritual being through faith, and we embrace him in our heart of hearts, in our inner being. You know, you really can't eat something halfway, can you? You can't, you can chew it up and you can swallow it, or you can chew it up and just don't swallow it. You can chew it up properly and It goes down with the rest of your food, or you just spit it right out. And that's the way we eat, and that's the way we receive Jesus as well. We receive him wholeheartedly. Now, let me finish by going back to this question. Why did Jesus not directly identify himself with the lamb at the Passover meal? And why did he uh, instead consciously identify himself with the bread and the cup? Well, there could be any number of answers to that question, but let me just suggest one to you here this evening. The lamb was something that God's people, the Jewish people, ate very rarely. I mean, Passover, it was something that was a a once-a-year type of thing. And maybe you would eat lamb at a few other special occasions. But Jesus says, no, I want you to remember me with something that you are going to eat every day. Something that you're going to drink every day. Because I'm not just the Lord and Savior of special occasions. I'm your everyday Lord and Savior. What I'm going to do on the cross is not just for those holidays and special occasions as good as they are. What I do on the cross is for your everyday life. So I'm going to take something that is common as bread, common as the cup that you drink. And this is how I want you to remember me. So we're to remember and to receive Jesus every day. But let me tell you, there is no better day on this calendar for us than today on Good Friday. When we are very, very consciously remembering and receiving what Jesus Christ ...did for us on the cross. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here... ...and they're going to lead us in singing together. And we have the bread and the cup that are up here on this table in front of us. And if you're trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord... ...as we're singing this first song together, we're going to invite you to come up here. We're going to invite you to grab a cup of bread and a cup of juice... Take it back to your seats. And then once everybody's been served, I'll come back up here and I'll lead us together in taking the, the, the bread. And um, as we're doing this, though, I wanted to just invite you to stand and we're going to sing together wonder, the wonderful cross. The wonderful cross. Let's let's stand and let's sing. Well, now we want to consider the cup of the Lord Jesus, the cup that, was, that, that he distributed among his disciples. We want to shift our attention a bit from Luke's uh, account of the Lord's Supper to Matthew's account, and specifically Matthew chapter 26. We're going to pick up reading there, Matthew chapter 26 and verse th- 26. Here's what we read. Now as they were eating Jesus took bread and after blessing it broke it after blessing it broke it and gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body and he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Friends, again, tonight uh, we consider the cross and the weightiness of the cross was absolutely on Jesus' mind, but it wasn't entirely on the disciples' minds, was it? To, To them, this was just another Passover But just like we saw in Luke's account, again, here, we see a break from the ordinary. Something new is happening, that the bread would now be viewed as Jesus' body that was broken on their behalf. But Jesus didn't stop there. He he now invites them to take and receive this cup. And, And before we take this cup together... I want us to just consider the significance, not just for our own faith and our own lives, but what it meant for these disciples who were sitting there with Jesus during this Passover feast. We know from the scriptures that they had shared a Passover meal with Jesus before this. But this Passover meal was different. Jesus, as he leads this Passover feast, says things that are very uncommon For this ceremony he invites them first of all to eat the bread in remembrance of the brutal sacrifice that was going to be made. And now he invites them to drink the cup. And again in verse 28 he says this. This is my body this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He takes this cup and he says take and drink of it. This is my covenant. And the language that Jesus uses here is very significant. I want you to just imagine this with me. I mean, here he is. He's gathered with his disciples. He pours out this cup and he says, This is my covenant. Take and drink of it. Now, this is a gesture that Jesus is making with the disciples that was very uncommon. Well, actually, it was common, but it just wasn't common in this particular context. You see, back then when a man desired to marry a woman, when he saw someone who was beautiful in heart and in soul and in looks, he said, you know, that's the one, that's the one that I want her to be my wife. What, what he would do is he, he would go to his father and he would say, dad, I, I want to marry this girl. She's amazing. And I want to be with her. And so together, the father and the son would go to the girl's father, and they would then discuss a price. And this wasn't a price to marry her. It was a price for the chance to ask her to marry him. You see, when a man paid a bride price, what he was saying was simply this. I'm paying this price so that I might have the chance to come before your daughter and ask her for her hand in marriage. And so if this worked out and they were able to work out a price that was reasonable for the two parties, the two families would get together for a meal and the man with all of the family gathered around him, both his family and her family, this man would then pour out a cup of wine. He would slide it over to her and he would say, this is my covenant, take and drink of it. And if the woman took the cup, what she was saying was, I do. This this cup where the man says, this is my covenant, take and drink of it. was really the man saying, will you marry me? And so if the woman took the cup, it was her way of saying, yes, I will marry you. And from that point forward, the woman would then be referred to by a very different name. She would be referred to as one who had been bought with a price. Now, At at that point, the the man would then go away and he would leave the woman behind. And and he would go back to his father's house and he would begin working at building a place for both of them to live together. While the man was working on his place for them to live together, he would send his best man to relay messages back and forth to her. And and this best man was called the helper. The, The man was working at building this place. The woman was working at getting herself ready. She would anticipate the day when the trumpets would sound, the parade would come, and the groom would sweep her away off her feet, and they would, and he would take her to dwell with him forever together. And here's the thing the man didn't know the time. Only his father knew the time. As the man was building this place uh, for he and his bride, as he was preparing this place for her, the father would, would look at it. And it was only when, when the father said, yes, it's ready, go and get her. Only then could then the groom go with trumpets sounding and the best man beside him. He could go and retrieve the one who had been bought with a price. When the father said it was time is when it happened and there would be a great feast And they would be united. Does any of that sound familiar to you? You see, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, talks about roles of men and women in marriage, of husbands and wives coming together. And at the end of that section of Scripture, he says something that is quite fascinating. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 32, he says, This mystery is profound. This mystery of God's design of marriage, it's a profound thing. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20 says that you and I were bought with a price. That we were the ones who, had, who were bought with the price. The price that for, for us to experience unity. The bride price that Jesus Christ paid for the chance to ask us to dwell with Him in unity forever. And, and what was that price? Well, the price was His very life. His blood was shed, poured out like a sacrifice So that whatever held us back, whatever shame we were buried in, Jesus said, I'll pay the price. And he paid that high price for you and for me. You know, we see this parallel here. And we are the bride of Christ, that we were the ones who've been bought with a price. And it's just like me in my pride to think, you know what? I'm a pretty good bride. I think I'm pretty amazing. I'm totally worth it. But Hosea chapter 3 gives us a little bit more realistic view of things here. In Hosea chapter 3, there's a wife of a prophet. Her name is Gomer. Gomer seems to be unable to remain faithful to Hosea. She runs away from Hosea. She runs after other men. This woman, this wife, the bride of the prophet, gives herself in, gets herself in so much trouble. She gets herself in so much debt that she actually has to go and, and be put into slavery. She, she has to work her way out of this debt and this trouble through her slavery. And there is this scene in chapter 3 where this groom, this man Hosea... He's standing there, and he's watching his wife, and she's being auctioned off like an animal to the highest bidder. Well, this wife who had uh, run away from him, this wife who had been unfaithful to him, this wife who had had children with other men, he's uh, standing there, and he is thinking, uh, uh, or you got to be thinking, rather, you know, what, what's he going to do here? He's standing here, and you, and you picture this scene. You think about all the hurt and all the pain that she's caused him over the years. What's he going to do? What's he going to say? Well, Hosea steps forward. He bids the highest bid. He pays the price in order to buy her back. Friends, that was the picture of Israel. And that is the picture of us as well. We are the adulterous bride. We've given ourselves away. But instead of leaving us in our shame, instead of leaving us indebted and shackled to the things that desire to enslave us, Jesus bought us back and the cost that he paid was his blood shed for us. Are you seeing now the significance of this cup that we are about to drink? When Jesus says, this is my covenant, take and drink of it, he's talking about more than just a ceremony he's talking about more than just a tradition more than something that we do just once a month more than something that we do on a good friday service this cup is an answer when jesus says this is my covenant take and drink of it are we those who would say yes i do yes i will first corinthians 10 16 says the cup of blessing is that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Communion for us is a time of remembering, remembering the blood that was shed but it's also a time of commitment. It's more than just remembering what, what happened back then, 2,000 years ago. It's a chance for us to say, I do. Every day, I do. I will. W- will you take my covenant? Yes, I will, Jesus. Will you live your life for me? Yes, I will, Lord. And not only is this a time of remembering what has happened, and not only is this a time of commitment, but this is also a time to look forward to an even greater feast that is going to take place one day, a wedding. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 9, we read this. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of great uh, of mighty perils of, sun, of thunder, crying out, "Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns! Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has come, has made herself ready it, it, it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this down. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. And so here we are. Having already taken the bread. And I'll want to invite you. To take the cup with me. Acknowledging the high price of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We, we, we say yes to the life of commitment of, with him. And we eagerly await the marriage supper of the Lamb. When our groom will come with trumpets sounding. To take us to dwell with him forever and ever. And so would you join me this evening. In taking this cup together.